Thank you for tuning in to Trevor Talks Podcast, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. I'm really excited about today's show because I feel like the conversation is going to provide a lot of thought, action, and knowledge to us all in the market of our mental health. When it comes to cleaning up mental messes, we usually try and just find comfort and make a few Google searches to try and find an instant remedy. But today we're going to talk about steps to help relieve and empower you, and even discuss the research behind the way that our brain operates. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Caroline Leaf, and she is a world-renowned voice in neuroscience and a powerhouse speaker, best-selling author, and a leader in the world for destigmatizing mental health. She also has a podcast and a new book called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, Three Simple Scientifically Proven Steps to Reduce Anxiety, Stress, and toxic thinking. And with all of that being said, Dr. Leaf, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Trevor. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yes. And like I said, like you're just a powerhouse speaker. I've seen you anywhere from being at Elevation Church with Stephen Furtick to your own show, TEDx. You've just kind of done everything. <laughs> Across the board. I speak every week. It's government churches, training physicians, neuroscience conferences, education everywhere because you've all got a mind. So and everyone needs to understand the mind. So. <laughs> That is so awesome. So just to start off, you're a communication pathologist and cognitive neuroscientist with a master's and PhD in communication pathology and a BSc logo, is it logopedics? Logopedics, yeah. Logopedics, specializing in cognitive and metacognitive neuropsychology. Like quite the title there. (laughs) A lot of big words. (laughs) It is a lot of big words. I'm kind of proud of myself for tackling them. Let's go. You did a good job. (laughs) Thank you. Better than most, right? (laughs) Absolutely. That logopedics gets everyone every time. So So what exactly does all of this mean? What do you do on a daily basis with your research and all of the above? Excellent question. So basically, that can be simplified into I'm a mind-brain researcher. So I've researched for 38 years now. I've been researching the mind-brain-body connection and the differences between them and how they integrate and what is mind and what are thoughts and what are emotions and what are memories and do we have any kind of ability to change and develop them and grow our memories and, and you know, what is a memory in relationship to a thought? And so I started out initially in a very therapeutic sense. I practiced for 25 years. I specialized initially in chronic traumatic encephalopathy, CTE, head injuries, traumatic brain injuries, dementias, Alzheimer's, learning disabilities, that sort of thing, severe traumas from emotional traumas, war trauma, sexual trauma, that kind of thing. So I worked very intensively in those areas and from day one started doing um, extensive research and trying to understand. I was very concerned back in the 80s, which dates me because that's when I was started my studying, but I was very concerned about a, a comment that a professor made and that really launched me on this career and it was, he was giving us this whole thing about neuroscience and in the 80s, neuroscience wasn't even really called neuroscience. It was a whole different, you know, it was just the in, in its infancy, understanding the neurology and, and and how the brain functions and so on. And we were told in, in lectures that the brain couldn't change and that we would need to teach our patients to compensate and immediately that just didn't work for me because you know we were talking about the mind brain and so well the mind's experiencing life and the mind and life's always different so the mind experiences are always different and the mind uses the brain so therefore the brain's got to change and I remember making this comment to my professor saying hey that's a ridiculous question and I said okay well let me take this ridiculous question to another level and start doing research so I started working with people with traumatic brain injuries I said give me the worst situation and he said okay well go work with TBI there's just like no there's no there's very little research research on it. And he was really like challenging me in a good way, but also there was this whole thing, you know, the brain can't change. And I did some of the earliest, I proved him wrong. I did some of the earliest neuroplasticity research back in the eighties in my field. And we didn't have fMRI at that stage. We used CT scans. So we didn't see, it was only in the mid nineties that that um, fMRI technology was was discovered and basically showed that the brain was responding. But from a CT scan, we could see differences in the brain and also EEG. And I currently use QEG in my in my research. And w- essentially, what this meant was that the brain is something, the mind is something, and there's a relationship, but they're not the same thing. And we need to understand mind, brain, and the relationship. And so I launched into. I was practicing as well at, at the same time as doing research, and I really did a deep dive in a very kind 
kind of different way to what people normally would do research because the whole thing when you're in in a scientific world you just got to keep churning out publications and things and what I did was th- thought okay I want to get into the field and I want to really study what's going on so I worked in as many different environments as I could and um, doing a lot of observational research and then started building putting that all together did quite a lot of um did a lot of initial research in the 90s and then for a period I just did um, deep dive research where I was gathering data. And then I've started putting all that data together in the last few years, doing a lot of clinical trials. So now we have a whole spate of us applying all this data and developing this. And the, my book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, that you mentioned, is the most recent um, simplified version of the most updated version of the research of mind, brain, and what it means. And how can it help you as a person? How can it help humanity? Because the whole thing is we're human. And we have, as humans, we have minds. And the difference between a dead person and a person who's alive is the mind. And the mind is driving everything. So if we don't understand what it is, we're going to have a problem. And we see that evidence very clearly in today's current era where mind and now we know that we, we learned that the brain by the mid-90s, it was accepted late 80s, mid-90s that the brain could change. But then for the last 40 years, we went another direction as we learned more about neuroscience uh, there was a whole sort of scientific philosophy that's entered into the world of the media world and into the mental health world and that is that the mind and the brain are the same thing so instead of it being separate which it has been since ancient times the mind and the and the, the body this physical and the spiritual sort of part of us it was suddenly subsumed into one and everything was about the brain so it became an era we've been in the era of the brain and that's not a bad thing in the sense that we've learned more but it is bad in the sense that we've eliminated the humanity out of it and we've become our brains and everything is about brain 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 and it's all about the physical and even though it is about the physical that's not all it's about so i've tried to um in my work reintroduce and will remind people of that truth i've done ted talks as you mentioned and so on on this is to try and help people to actually understand that hey your mind is yours you need to understand it you need to manage it you don't need everyone else managing your mind they can help you but you are the only one who can actually manage your mind so you need to understand what it is doesn't matter what age you are what you do who you are where you live you have a mind and your mind needs to be managed so that's a kind of big big picture view of what i do (laughs) I love that so much. And you mentioned a ton of just different ways that you can use your brain for good. And we find ways to really just declutter our mind. And your whole new book is talking about decluttering your mind. But you also have an app that you've developed with it called Switch. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how that is being used to help us in that in this path? Absolutely. And we've just actually updated it to call it the neurocycle. So it's changed from switched and we've updated and upgraded, added more information. So in the book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, um, the five-step system I've developed is the neurocycle. And essentially, the app is um, literally me giving you therapy. It's helping to walk through. So it's a mental health app, but it's for mind management. So it's for anyone. It's not just for someone who's really battling, but it's for everyone because everyone's battling. (laughs) There isn't a human alive who isn't battling with something. And that's what we have to, I'm trying to also normalize is the fact that it's okay to have a mess in your head and in your your brain and in your, so your mind, basically mind, brain and body is it's okay to have a mess because that is part of humanity. It's part of the experiment that life is, you know, we go through this experimental process of, of experiencing life and we don't always know what we're doing and we can't control people. We can't control events. We can't control exactly how someone's going to say something to you in the next moment and how you might react. But what we can do is we can learn to manage that process because our mind is working anyway. So the app is just is the, called the NeuroCycle app. The NeuroCycle is the name of the system. It's had 38 years of of, history, of scientific research and clinical application. It used to have a different name. It was just a long, complicated name. And then I just simplified it to the NeuroCycle because you basically are using your mind to cycle through your brain. You're directing the neuroplasticity of your brain. So it's a very empowering concept. And it's a very basic skill that, that I'm trying to help all of humanity understand because whatever else you do, you have to have an operating system. And so your mind is, 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 is the, 
is the functionality of who we are as humans. And we need to be able to run our minds properly so that we can run our brains properly. And the neurocycle does that. It's like your, you know, operating system for your mind. So into that, you can do whatever it is that you do. It's not a technique. It's not replacing therapy. It's not some new great technique, self-help technique. It's not a new mental health technique. It is mind management. And the, the benefits there are that it's going to help with mental health. So I redefine mental health in the process of the book and the app and the work that I've done instead of it being um, seen as an illness, which it has become over the last 40 years. It's become very much defined as a, a brain disease or a brain illness. So the word's disease, it's a disease model that's been adopted. So if you're feeling sad for extended periods of time, you're feeling depressed or anxious or panic, as you said, like you had, you were probably diagnosed with a panic disorder mm -hmm. and you were panicking. Please, please understand what I'm saying. It wasn't that it wasn't there. It was that they didn't give it enough justice. So by saying it was a panic disorder, that it was an it, didn't give justice to actually what you were going through as a human. There's a reason why you were panicking and had, um, had a, 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 a panic disorder means that it was happening frequently. So there's a reason behind that. And just to, I don't know how it was treated in your case, but um, in general, if it's just labeled and just medicated and maybe they give you a bit of therapy, that doesn't do do justice to who you are and what you've been through because there's always a reason why we show up like that. And there's from environment. I mean, our environment plays a massive role, um, our culture, our upbringing, all of that is classified on environment. Then there's the whole, the whole, um, genetics of how we wired and what's passed through the generations. So that's the sort of nature. Then there's the nurture, which is the environment. And then there's the I factor. That's, which is the most powerful. That's the unus. That's the mind. And the mind is driving all of it. So the mind is like, you know, a, a sort of supersedes, uh, sort of drives environment mm -hmm. and biology. But the three work together. So, you know, whatever you're immersed in, if, if someone is immersed in, in years of, of trauma or whatever it is, there's going to be, even, and if it's not totally processed, it's going to manifest. So panic, panic, for example, I'm going to use that because you mentioned it, um, depression, anxiety, all these things, those aren't it's. They're not illnesses. They're not neuropsychiatric brain diseases, which is quite stigmatizing. And if you're panicking and then you're told you have a brain disease as well, that can initially maybe be comforting because you think, oh, well, that's why I'm doing it. But then you realize, hey, this is not all of it. There's a whole life story going on here that is the roots. There's a bunch of root symptom, root root causes or origin stories behind why you're doing that. So the the neurocycle, the app and the all the work that I do in the latest book and all the books I've written are have um and then and the latest the neurocycle and the cleaning up your mental mess book is the most updated scientific version with the most updated stats and um, scientific research behind it is how you can then find out why i'm depressed why i'm panicking why i'm anxious and that's important is to become like a thought detective to see the panic the anxiety the depression as a warning signal as a clue versus as an illness and the other thing is that to be kind to oneself and the other thing is that if you're human, you're battling with this. So everyone, to a certain extent, is battling with panic, battling with anxiety, battling with depression. And you've probably read the stats because you're very interested in mental health. But they say one in four people have got depression, one in five anxiety, and one in this. It's a nonsense. 100% of people have got anxiety. 100% of people are panicking. 100% of people are depressed in different degrees. So some, it's more than others. And that's all personality driven. It's all genetic, whatever biology is going on. It's your environment. I mean, you stick someone in the midst of, uh, you know, a, a, the systemic racism that's going on. Is there any, con you know, you've got a, you know, a, you, my, my, you, you've got a danger of getting in a car and someone shooting at a robot because of the color of your skin. I mean, that's phenomenal pressure on the person and that that chronic stress um from the environment if um it will actually cause hypertension for example it can increase it it, it sends a signal that so that's mind experiencing it it'll send a signal to the brain hey this is toxic so then a whole toxic thought builds in the brain and we can unpack this more slowly but i'm just giving you a big picture and then that can send a signal to your um to the to the kidney to increase the amount of salt water that it releases and that increases the blood pressure in the heart and suddenly you've got hypertension because it's supposed to work in cycles of tension release because we do that anyway, but we do it with mm -hmm. a tension release, tension release. But if you chronically in an environment that's, 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 um, systemic racism, for example, you are going to have a chronic high levels of, um, this hypertension, which then can lead to a stroke and all kinds of things. So we've got to look at, um, helping people 
change the system, but you've also welded systems which take forever to change. You've got to help people cope within the system. And it doesn't help to tell someone who's feeling depressed and anxious and on edge and panicky every time they get in a car that, hey, you have a, you have a brain disease. That doesn't help them. What we need to say is, hey, you, you feeling this. It's valid. It's very valid. It's very scary wondering if you're going to be the next person shot at a traffic light. And that condition that you're living under is contributing. So here are some ways of understanding why you feel like that. And here's ways of managing it so that you don't have high levels of hypertension or inflammation. That's what I believe we should be doing. And that's what the purpose of the NeuroCycle app is and the book and everything I do is to try and put tools into people's hands to understand what is it when I feel like this. And, and it's not like there's something wrong with me. You're not broken. You're going through something and it's so much more hopeful. It's so much kinder. It's so much gentler. And it's so, and it works. It works because that's how, you know, as humans, we, we want that kind of support and love. Yeah. And all of that is just such amazing insight and thought and obviously research. But when it, when it comes down to like someone that's struggling with anxiety or depression and really just combating with their mental health on what feels like a daily cycle, what are some things that we can use this app, the NeuroCycle? How can we use it for our everyday life to help better um, our mental mess? How can we use these resources that you've provided to help us enjoy life just a little bit more every day? Okay, well, that's a great question. So basically, if you think of it like this, you can go three weeks without food. You can go three days without water. You can go three minutes without oxygen, but you don't even go three seconds without thinking. Now, let's say that you are going to therapy or you are getting counseling. You've got a fantastic support system. We need that because it's not just about us. It's about the support that we can give others and that we can get. It's about us in the world. We need that as part of our, we can't work in isolation. So, but you you are living with yourself 24-7. So even if you're going for the therapy and you've got the support system, they can't be with you in 24-7. you with yourself 24-7. Your mind is you. So the difference between the mind and the brain is that the brain is the physical and the mind drives the physical. So the mind is, I always talk about, the, and I'll come to the technique now, I'm just building the sort of foundation. The brain is, and the body are what you can see, and that's about 1% to 10% of who you are, and that's what I propose in my theory and my research. And your mind, though, is this enormous factor. It's about 90 to 99% of who you are. The difference between you and I and a dead person is our mind because there's nothing going on in a dead person. But with us, there's a lot going on at the moment. We're con conversing, we're processing, we've got all kinds of memories coming up. We're going to have We've got a life. We're going to go to. So, in other words, our aliveness is our mind, and it's a huge, huge part of us. And it's always working. You wake up with your mind. You go to bed with your mind. You dream with your mind. You eat with your mind. You do exercise with your mind. You drive your heart function with your mind. You have a conversation with your mind. You fall in love with your mind. You eat with. Everything is driven by mind. So, mind is is the first cause. It needs to be addressed. We need to understand it. So, if you want, so so the neurocycle is. Basically, how to understand is, is that the, the system, the five step system is birthed out of what is mind and can I control it? And yes, you can control it. So what is mind? What does it do? What is the product of mind? What are memories and emotions and thoughts? And then how can you control it? So if I could just start quickly explaining that, then I can explain more about the neurocycle and how it drives that process. Is that good? Yeah, totally. Okay, perfect. So um, your mind on a psychological level is how you think, feel, and choose. So every moment that you're awake, you are thinking and feeling and choosing three fingers, think, feel, choose, all three work together. You're thinking, feeling, and choosing in response to everything you're experiencing. So you woke up this morning and maybe the first you had a conversation with a loved one and then you had breakfast and then you got dressed and then you um, did your emails and then you did whatever. So you, every single one of those is being processed by your mind. So that being able to be alive and experience all of those, that's a mind thing. So you're thinking, feeling, and choosing at 400 billion actions through each of those events. And then someone sends you a lousy email and that throws you and now you feel like thrown. And then, then you hear some, some more bad news and then you hear some good news and then, and then you're dealing maybe with a sick loved one or so life. And all of that's been processed in your waking hours through think, feel, choose, think, feel, choose at 400 billion actions and faster per second and it's being processed and converted. So that's the mind doing this processing of these things. On a physics level, it's a whole bunch of energy. So it's sound waves, electromagnetic light waves and gravitational forces. And and we've got this field around us. We've got gravitational fields that we stop us 
floating, but we also have a unique gravitational field and electromagnetic um, photons and things, all Einstein's work, basically surrounded by a cloud of photons and that arrange themselves into gravitational fields and that you won't find around a, de- a dead person. It's an alive person. So it's this, so mind has this actual kind of almost physical type typology, if you wanted to call it that. And then that's as that's the, so as you are in life, you read the email, that's electromagnetic light forces. So psychologically, you're reading an email and you're thinking, feeling and choosing, but on a physics level, it's a whole bunch of electromagnetic quantum forces that are going on. And that moves through your brain. Now you have to have the physical brain and with all of its 200, just different structures arranged into 200 different areas with all of its specialized connections designed for you. All of us have these more or less 200 areas with our own specialized connections within them, but yours are different to mine. So you can do what I can't do. So we each have our own specialization. And that's why we're a community because we've all got our own contribution to make. So this, this, incredible you thinking, feeling, and choosing is then processed through your incredible brain, which matches you, kind of this match. So your brain works for you, not me. And then we we take this, and as soon as this energy hits the brain, there's a reaction electrically, chemically, neurochemically, and genetically. And proteins are made, and the the information, the data from the email, for example, or this conversation becomes a vibration in proteins, and those proteins group to form branches. And the more you hear, the more data coming at you, the more that you see here, et cetera, the more branches grow. So you eventually grow like trees. Here's a little plant, a tree. I'm holding up a green tree for the listeners. And that, this is what a thought looks like. So the product of mind is a thought. So you're building thoughts all day long. And the average person, and this is really hard to estimate, so it's very much an average. And I've looked at many different scientists' calculations, and this is what I think is the most comfortable average that I would tell people, is that we build around about eight to 10,000 thoughts a day. And some are big, some are small, some are attached to other thoughts. Um, and to build a thought, like right now, you all of you are building what I'm saying with our discussion into a thought tree in your brain. Everything I'm saying is going into the root system because the roots are always the source. Think of it. You plant a seed, you grow the roots, the tree grows, the, you know, the, tri- the, the trunk and then the branches. So this is what we started. The com- You introduced me. That was the seed. As you started speaking, everything I'm saying and you asking me, all of that's going into the roots. So these mul- and those are memories. So those are root memories, the source of the origin. The email would be the root memories. So memories are inside thoughts, like a tree is made of branches and roots, a thought is made of branch memories and root memories. And then as I'm speaking, you are immediately growing branches, which is your interpretation of what I'm saying. So your unique perception, the uniqueness of you, you according to your specializations and your incredible brain and the mind-brain match is producing this beautiful unique perception of what I'm saying. So when you go from this conversation and you apply this in your life or you talk to someone else about it or you do whatever, you're going to be talking from this conversation. This shows, this is how you show up. So every single thing, and here's where the neurocycle comes in. That's the process that's happening about life. So that, and then in a moment, we'll talk about the different types of mind, but just so that it makes it easy. That's happening all day long. While it's happening, as I'm talking and you're doing this building thing, producing, creating this physical thought with its branches, which are physical, it has weight, it's changing the brain, that's neuroplasticity. While that's happening, you're being informed by existing memories inside thought trees. So as I'm speaking, lots of different thoughts are moving from the non-conscious area of your brain, NON, not unconscious. Unconscious is when you knock someone out or they have an anesthetic. Non-conscious is the most intelligent part of us as humans, the most un- misunderstood, the most, the most, um, People talk about your unconscious being a filing cabinet. The unconscious is when you're knocked out. And the non-conscious is not a filing cabinet. It's the most dynamic, brilliant part of you. It's infinite. It's quantum in nature. It's beyond space and time. It's incredibly wise. It's where all your experiences are stored from the time, from a certain point in the womb to the age yet. Now they keep changing. There's an, it's, it's phenomenal. It, it's the non-conscious mind that enables us through using the brain, it uses the brain and the body to express the unit. So I just think of what you do in any one moment, in any one day. It's, it's human just to be, a, just to be alive and sitting here listening. There are so many things going on. So your non-conscious is driving a lot of that. So the bad stuff happens there as well. So now that's on the healthy side and that's perfect because that produces, you know, good feelings and positive health and, and that's life. You have a great conversation. You're doing your business well. We're going along. But then in between, we have the, 
email that throws us. So here's a toxic tree. Now I'm holding up an ugly, wiry looking thought tree. And so thoughts are real things in our brain. We build them, as I said. But if you have a toxic experience, then the roots, it's going to be a toxic source. So the origin story, so that's that ugly conversation or that terrible email or that problem you're having with a work colleague or that, um, that, that trauma that's happened to you in the past or that current trauma or boss bullying you or terrible things going on at work or terrible pressure, whatever. That is that source over there. So that's being experienced by the mind through the electromagnetic fields into the brain and you build this thing made of proteins. But these thoughts weigh you down. I mean, if you think of it, these, and they literally do, they weigh, they weigh mass. So do these, but these ones lift you up because they are, they match yeah. that the, the, your special, the specialization, your wired for love nature, which is all about survival and, and managing the mental mess and moving forward and growing and repairing. But when we get stuck in toxicity and we just get stuck in the mess and we're not actually managing it, we're not cleaning it up. This is, this is very toxic to the brain, toxic to the immune system. The immune system recognizes this in the same way it does COVID virus, also protein, and it will send out immune factors. It will become inflamed. There'll be neurochemical chaos and we'll physically feel weighed down. And so it's like when you say, oh, oh, I feel so weighed down by this, you are speaking literally and figuratively. You, you know, you're saying it as a metaphor, but it is actually happening. And that's creating a dis huge disturbance in the whole brain and body. And then you have the downstream effect that increases inflammation. And if it, if, and, um, cortisol levels increase and all the hormones get upset and cardiovascular health is threatened and neurological health and pretty much everything. And whatever's weak, whatever genetic weaknesses come through the generations in your body, that can be activated. In other words, anything that's undealt with is going to create a vulnerability in your brain and your body, in the environment of your brain and body, in the environment of your mind that then is just made you vulnerable. So things can happen. So this is now where the neurocycle comes in. So what I did was I worked with all these people with traumatic brain injuries and all that stuff that I mentioned, and they, they're not going to understand a whole bunch of science. If they're in trauma, they want help. And like you said in the beginning, so I did explain all of this with all the props, but in obviously age appropriate and simplistically and that kind of thing. But I wanted a system to be able to say, okay, so this is what's, this is why you feel like this. Now, what do you do about it? How do we manage this? You know, yes, we need to deal with, as I mentioned, the systemic racism, because I'd never want to forget that we, we must be careful that we don't consider what's happening around us. You know, if we just say, oh, you are mentally ill, we remove all responsibility from, you know, the political environment to actually change systems in society. Um, so we've got to look at those things too. So we don't want to just blame the individual. We want to equip the individual with an understanding of what's going on so that they can self-regulate and manage. That's that's the approach that um, I did have, have taken and developed and looked for systems okay. over all these years. And the neurocycle is the result of all these 38 years of extensive try this, try that, do this, look at this scientifically, what is this doing in the brain, what's that doing in the brain, the body, the telomeres, the DNA, like as much as, you know, as much as I possibly could look at to try and find a, a system of mind management. Because if your mind's always working day and night, morning and night, whether if you don't manage it, then you're going to stay in potentially with a lot of toxicity and that's increasing vulnerability to mind and brain issues and will lead to panic, will lead to anxiety, will lead to, but if I have a way of recognizing, okay, I'm feeling really panicky today. I can feel I'm triggered. I'm feeling a panic attack coming on or a series of panic attacks. Instead of thinking there's something wrong with me, I have a mental illness, I'm crazy, which is very stigmatizing, very demoralizing, takes away hope, makes you feel like a victim. Um, and it kind of takes away your autonomy. Instead of that, and that's not even science, it's not correct, okay, it's incorrect. What we see actually the truth is, is that those are actually warning signals. So the depression, panic attack, whatever it is, frustration, whatever that, that you are feeling is a warning signal. Then you may observe it, okay, I'm not working that well. I can't concentrate. I'm really snappy in my relationships. I'm feeling like I just can't cope. I'm late. I'm flustered. I'm, do, do you look at your behaviors. Those are all warning signals. Not that you are broken. It means that there's something going on. So you get curious and you say, okay, what are my emotional warning signals? What are my physical warning signals? What are my uh, physical gut ache, um, heart palpitations, adrenaline rushes, um, tension in the shoulders, all of the above, whatever. And then perspective signals. Well, how am I looking 
at life today. Life sucks. It's terrible. I hate it. I can't do this. I'm overwhelmed. I, I want to give up or whatever. Or this is just too much. And so you objectively go into what I call the multiple perspective advantage and you stand back and you observe your own thinking. And this is all in detail in the app, in the book. I walk you through this. I'm giving you the, you know, the big picture view, the cliff notes version and walking you through the process. So essentially what, what the neurocycle is doing is saying, okay, here you, here's life. You're in life. Adverse circumstances happen. You feeling the effect of that. You're not sure why exactly what's going on or you didn't realize that the the way you're feeling and functioning is linked to some underlying cause now you know now i'm telling you however you show up whatever you are doing feeling your perspective and the way your body's feeling are all signals warning signals clues of an underlying something going on in your life that is actually a threat to your survival because we're all about survival love is survival so COVID virus threatens our survival. So the immune system fights. You get a bacteria in your body. The immune system fights. It's threatening your survival. You have a surgery. Your body's, it's the survival is threatened because it has to heal the wound or you're going to get sick and so on. And so same thing with thoughts, toxic thought that's unmanaged. You can't just be hurt by someone and traumatized by someone and just suppress it. You can't go through war and not process it. You can't go through COVID and not process it. You can't go through COVID and experience all the adverse circumstances and be told you've got a brain disease. I mean, it's bad enough as it is going through it to also be told that you have a brain disease, you know, and to sort of just your stories put aside. What we should be saying is, okay, those are signals. And so now what? And that's where the neurocycle steps in. So the neurocycle is enabling you to stand back very kindly to yourself, being very, very kind to yourself, saying, it's okay. You can be a mess. Everyone's a mess. A hundred percent of people are battling with depression and anxiety to different degrees. Obviously, some people, if, because it's different, we all, we have our unique specializations. We have a unique way in our brain, the, the 200 areas with their unique connections and specializations. And when we have a, a, a trauma, every, everyone's story is different. Um, your brain matches with you. And if, if you have a trauma, that kind of disrupts the whole all the connections in the brain, the whole process is disrupted. The unus is disrupted. The, your, your identity is disrupted. In, and obviously, depending on level of trauma, the level of experience, it affects it. But even someone turning around to you and saying, you did such a bad job and they did, did that in a nasty way. It's not a major trauma, but it's enough to, it's a mini trauma. And that yeah. make you feel, you in, almost feel invalidated. You feel like, ah, I'm a bad person. All of us constantly need to be recognized that, hey, I do bad things, but I'm not a bad person. It doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It means I've messed up. So it's even, I, I don't even like to use the word bad, but, but I use that in the sense that if we tell someone they have a brain disease, they feel like they're broken. When you tell someone, you know, that they, when you're harsh with someone, um, in the, in a negative sense, you're telling them they're a bad person, bad people that think they're a bad person, their identity goes for a loop. They're not going to manage their mind. They're going to transmit in a very negative way and we're going to see behavioral problems and all kinds of stuff. So this, uh, the neurocycle is all this sort of philosophical approach of be kind to yourself, stand back and observe your own thinking. It's okay. You're a human. Every human has gone through this to some, in some way at some point and will go through it. You're not the first person to feel shame. You're not the first person to feel panic. You're not the first. There's a lot of, and it's not invalidating. It's that you've got companionship. There's a connection out there. This is not only you because a lot of people in mental health struggles feel What's wrong with me? I'm, I'm so crazy. People are looking at me differently. And that's so sad because those people that are looking at you differently, they're battling too. So until we level the playing field and say, hey, listen, 100% of people are battling with different degrees. Don't scare people and say, it's on the rise. There's another pandemic and we've got to quickly screen. And that's not the answer. The answer is, hey, listen, we're in life together. It's a big mess. Let's, it's messy and it's okay to be messy because the messiness is the experimental part. It's the front line of the army. It's how your, your mind goes in first and your mind doesn't know what's coming up because you can't control people, events or circumstances. You don't know what's coming up. So it's messy as you experiment. But then we are designed to manage that mess mind management which is then repair and then you grow and then you can move forward through that but you can't move forward if you don't look at the mess and own the mess and give yourself permission to own the mess and tell yourself it's okay to have a mess if you if you if you're told to feel bad oh that's bad you've got a brain disease then 
the, the whole thing becomes about let's suppress, let's hide it. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I don't want people to see it. I'm a leader. No one must know. Only 3% of leaders are talking about mental health. There should be 100% of leaders because 100% of leaders yeah. are battling. You know, so these are the 4% of churches talk about mental health. That thing with Stephen Furtick, it's had like 5 million hits or something. All my stuff, we get like millions of hits because people are, are, are being told a story that there's something wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. You are just in a mess and you can manage it. No one's telling people that it's okay. it's it's part of life messing up. But part of that is is managing it through mind management, through self-regulated mind management where you are identifying the mess, repairing it, and then growing. And that is a very healthy process. The neurocycle trains you to do that. It teaches you to self-regulate constantly. And we see from neuroscience that you can self-regulate which is managing your basically mind management, managing your mind, managing your thinking, feeling and choosing and all your responses and the thoughts you build and the thoughts coming up and the things you say and the things you do, which are all mind driven. Mind management is is managing that process and the neurocycle trains you how to do that. It trains you how to listen, the conscious mind to listen to the non-conscious mind. The conscious mind's awake when you're awake. The non-conscious mind's always awake 24-7. And it's, as I said, where all your experiences are stored. It's a dynamic, intelligent, brilliant part of you. So the, the, the non-conscious is always restoring equilibrium. It's always looking for the problems. And then it pushes the problems through the subconscious into your conscious mind as emotional warning signals, depression, anxiety, panic, behavioral issues, physical symptoms in your body. Because we also, as soon as you build that thought in your brain, the physical tree, the brain sends a message to every cell of the body and says, hey, and then you, you wire it into your body too. And it's in the networks of your field. You're using Zencaster to interview me and there's little lines going across the bottom. That's kind of what things look like in your mind area. So you've got this these little and if it's a toxic thing, it's going to be very erratic. Like if I had to start screaming and shouting now, the lines would go crazy over here. But because I'm speaking with a regular tone, the lines are flowing normally. So that's we've got that in our mind. We've got the trees in our brain, and we've got the DNA changes in our body. And I saw from my research, and, and this is a fairly new area of research, but uh, telomeres are the ends of chromosomes. So if I cross my fingers, that's a chromosome from the DNA, and my fingernails would be telomeres. And telomeres determine the health of the chromosomes and that, that then determines the ability and the health of cells when they multiply. And we make about a million cells every second. So, And the quality of those cells determine cell health, organ health, body health, and feedback into the mind. So what we see is that the uh, that telomeres, um, when they shorten weeks, if my nails were all broken, um, that's, uh, that, that's, that shows me that I don't have my mind managed. So the more my mind is unmanaged, if I stay in the mess and I just try and suppress and forget and, and don't deal and just think I'm useless and bad, the telomeres shorten. You go into chronic stages of stress, chronic long-term toxic stress, shortened telomeres. Your biological age starts getting worse and your whole body's vulnerability to disease increases dramatically. And uh, I mean, I had people in my study that at the beginning of the study, they were just so, um, they had been diagnosed with clinical depression and they just, they didn't even know how to talk about themselves. They just could, they, all they could do was talk about what they couldn't do and how bad life was. But they didn't know any, there was no why. There was no, and, and they were so caught up in that toxic mode within three weeks of using the neurocycle they had gone from literal literal flat lines in their brain where the brain was just like almost non-functional um to normalized brain and within six weeks there were, were behavior changes so it takes i mean within nine weeks so it takes took it takes nine weeks of neurocycling to change a behavior to build a habit habits don't build in 21 days and so by that's what we saw with our with our subjects that were they had gone they went at the beginning of the study with biological ages that were sometimes 30, 40 years older than the actual age. So their body was older than the age. So we had like 30-year-olds with 65-year-old sickly bodies. So if you're a 30-year-old and you've got a 65-year-old sickly body, your vulnerability to disease has increased by a factor of anything from 38 to 98%, 35 to 98%. So you're vulnerable. And that means your mind's vulnerable. Within nine weeks, that had reversed. They chronological and biological ages had gone to what they should be. They had, they were matching up. The, the, the total inflammation across the brain and body, which was the, at the beginning of the nine weeks period, had gone 
by the end of the by the nine week uh, uh, marker and all kinds of changes. I don't want to go into. There's a lot of detail in the book, but we see, in other words, there's this mind brain <laughs> reaction. If what you do with your mind is working through your body, so your body is just responding. So it's not caused by your brain. It's your brain is responding. So you do get the damage, but once you get your mind under control, then you can change that. Now, I also work with traumatic brain injury, as I mentioned, and people with tumors, and so you can have biological damage in your brain, like a traumatic brain injury causes biological damage in your brain. But I showed that through mind training, you can restore the intellect, the cognitive functioning, social, emotional functioning, etc. all of that. You can, you can, and we saw growth in the brain. That's neuroplasticity. And, you know, we, there's so many studies of people, medications don't work unless your mind, if you think, oh, this is not going to work for me, it won't work for you. How many people have, have told me, hey, I take all these sleeping aids and nothing works for me because they're not going to work for me. So they take it and they're already saying it's not going to work for me. So already the whole mind has primed the brain for that medication to be overridden. <laughs> so, and we, you know, so we, we, we're not talk, we're not talking about this, these isolated studies that are presented in an isolated way, but we are, have this psycho neuro, biological function. So the neurocycle coming back to that is a process that has been painstakingly developed with years and years of observation of, of humans in different environments and across different socioeconomic strata and in different situations with different issues, etc. Those uh, observing CEOs of companies and, you know, that kind of thing and um, developing a system that I've tested meticulously. And it's so simple, but it's so, um, so, so effective that I showed in my research that it imp- my initial research showed that it improved functioning between 35 and 75%. My most recent research shows that it'll improve management of things like depression and anxiety by a factor of 81%. You know, so it's just going up and up all the time, but it's hard work. It's not a quick fix. We in quick fix world at the moment. It's not a quick mm-hmm. fix. Your mind is always working. Your mind needs to be trained. So the neurocycle trains you to do it. So in the the way that it's, I'm going to stop here because I've said so much. I don't know if you want me to unpack it in more detail or ask some questions <laughs> before and maybe unpack a bit of what I've said, and then I can explain a little bit more about the neurocycle. Now that we understand kind of what it's doing. Yeah. Like I, I find everything that you're saying so fascinating. And it, I think one of the things that's super, super fascinating and I want to touch on is how you've been doing this for so long, yet you're so passionate about it still to this day. Um, and you've brought in your children and your family. It is a family affair. Dominique helping with your PR stuff and helping manage things like it. It's just, it's fascinating to me. And I'm glad that we get to bring a resource to the table. I uh, For this interview, it's like we could have went in so many different directions on how we can improve our diet, oh, how yeah. we can do this and that. And I know my listener base is mostly 18 to 35-year-olds. So what better way to bring to the table how to improve your mental health is to use an application, something that they can whip out on their phone and use. And the science behind it exactly. is it's mind-boggling and it's amazing. And it's so thought out. You started this in the 80s. Apps weren't even around. People were not carrying cell phones in their pockets. Supercomputers in the 70s didn't have as much power as these. So I I really want to touch on one of the things that you brought up, and that's the faith aspect of it. And the church hasn't been as vocal on mental health and neuroplasticity and everything that you study. Mm -hmm. I, I guess the really sum up the question would be where does neuroscientists or neuroscience and faith, where do they collaborate with each other? How important is our faith for our mental health and overcoming these objections that we have in our brain? Okay. So brilliant question. And one that's really actually quite easy to answer. Um, and so if you think of, if you think of this, let's talk about spirituality as opposed to faith, if it's okay with you, cause it's broader and it's got more, yeah, it's got a broader sure. sense. Now science and spirituality are two sides of the same coin. Spirituality is very philosophical. It's very story and narrative oriented and it's statements and it's encouraging motivational and it's more than motivational. It's deep, it's deep life philosophy. Maybe that's a good way of saying it. Science is how it works. So I've been given, um, I've spoken in, as I've spoken today, I've spoken on quite a philosophical level and I've also been speaking on a scientific level. I've been using the two. So I swing automatically between a bit of philosophy, a bit of science, a bit of philosophy, a bit of science. So I'll tell you, you know, a story about, like I said, something about, um, you know, you're dealing with someone who's being negative towards you or you read that email or something like that. Um, that is, that is what you're doing as a human. And now that's a toxic 
email so you can have a toxic response and you've got to manage that. That's very spiritual, what I've just said. That's very sort of human, spiritual, what's the right thing to do, operate in love, blah, 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 be kind. Then I said the science. If you do this, this happens in your brain, that happens in your brain. So the science is the, is the how-to. It is the factual side. So it's two sides of the same coin. So there's no split. It's just two totally different. One's philosophy, philosophical. One is, is pure practical how-to. So I've tried to understand both and put the two together as a whole being um, and to help people to understand that. So when you're feeling sad, why are you feeling sad? As you do that, it's the neurocycle to work out why you're feeling sad because you go through the five steps. We can talk about those in, in more depth as well if you'd like to. Then you're doing this in your brain, and I can tell yeah. you exactly what you're doing in your brain. And when that happens in your brain, that's great because those are the changes that you want in the right direction. And so that's where you marry the science and the sort of spiritual aspect because spirituality isn't just going to church or believing in whatever faith you believe in. It is being a decent human. It's operating in love. It's operating in kindness and gentleness and, 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 and seeing your role in humanity and the role that you play in your individuality. I talked about the specializations of the brain and how we've got two different areas and yours are different to mine. So therefore, it's all about enhancement. Spirituality is all about enhancement. It's not about competition. I cannot compete with you because I'm not you. There's something you can do that I can't do. And the more I lift you up, the more I enhance my own intelligence because you are bringing something to the table that I don't have, a specialization that complements my specialization. And if we could shift into that kind of spiritual mindset, we would not have the dissension that we see in the country at the moment, in the United States and in the world globally. We would see a humanity that is focused on building community and enhancing each other. So, I, so that's sort of the spiritual side and philosophical side. It's all about enhancement. And then we see that in the on a scientific level, the mind, remember I spoke about the waves of the mind and the energy forces of the mind, and it looks like the mm -hmm. little lines on Zencast. If you're watching a podcast, you can see the little lines. So if you think of two waves, waves in the sea, you can also track waves in the same way. But when two waves build, come underneath each other, they build and they enhance each other. But then you also get two waves that can cancel each other out. So we see that when people are operating in kindness to themselves and in kindness to others and and doing what we should do as humans and be decent humans, we see enhancement. But when people are in competition, we see flatline and the toxicity. So you know, on so many levels, we can see the scientific how, what's actually happening in the brain, mind, and body. Um, and the, te the telomeres will shorten. I mean, in three weeks, we change people's telomere length and strength. So, you know, you can be three weeks in a toxic relationship and your, your telomeres are shortened, which means your whole body health has, has been impacted. You know, so there's the science of, you know, bring a thought into captivity, you know, control your thought life. Uh, there, there is, uh, you know, how you're reacting. Um, yes, how you're functioning within the situation. What are you doing to make a difference? All of that is enhancement and it brings health into the brain and the body. Whereas the opposite, it's my civil right not to wear a mask. I mean, what about the people that you may be infecting? You know, that's a negative toxic, that person saying that is actually creating a toxic pattern in their brain, you know, and it's, it's not about my, there's research showing that the more we talk about me, myself, and I, the more we increase our chance of a cardiovascular event by 42% in the next 12 months. So I, I, I creates a toxic environment, which increases vulnerability of the heart. You know, so these yeah. are things we're not talking about, which is what I'm trying to talk to people about is that it's, I'm not saying that you think a happy thought, you don't get cancer or the cancer's healed. That's not at all what I'm saying. That's, there's been too much toxic positivity and that kind of sort of movement around for too long. It's all about the state of your environment that you create and what you're moving towards. And it takes time. And it's the acceptance of in the depression, I accept that and I see that as a helpful messenger. In the panic, I see that as a helpful messenger. It's scary to be in a panic attack, but it's still telling me something. So if I embrace it, I control it. And science shows that, neuroscience shows that the minute you embrace something, it weakens its physical structure. So in the brain, the little protein bonds weaken the minute you say, okay, I, I own the panic attack. I know that I'm having a panic attack because of something. There is a reason why I have the symptom of depression. There's a reason why I'm feeling so frustrated. It's okay. It's okay to feel that. The minute you do that, 
1,400 neurophysiological responses will work for you and not against you. And you shift your whole perspective. Your whole body changes. Your resilience increases. So that's the kindness thing, being kind to yourself, recognizing these things are okay to have. We all have battle with this. And so that's how you approach the neurocycle. And then I talk all these lessons I give on the in the app. I actually walk through these every day. There's a mini lesson where I teach all the things that I'm throwing at you a lot in like little bite-sized chunks. So you learn something, so a new yeah. concept each day. And then the way that um, the, the neurocycle works is it's five steps, um, simplified that are doing the most phenomenal stuff in your brain. And the first step is after this whole stand back and observe yourself and be kind and all that, you know, that kind of coming in at that philosophical, with that philosophical bent, you then going to gather awareness. And I've chosen words very specifically. Gather is, the, the implication of gather is I'm going to pick that apple off that tree. I'm going to gather that thing into my basket. I'm going to, so I'm in control of what I want to actually look at because you can't fix everything in one day. It takes these cycles of 63 days. So the five steps are done sequentially. You don't skip a step because each step is taking you deeper and deeper, getting the non-conscious to work with the conscious, getting the two sides of the brain to work together, getting the 200 areas and the connections within them to flow like they should, to get the blood flow and oxygen, all these sciencey things are being driven in the right direction that will work for your blood vessels on your heart will dilate, you'll get more oxygen to your brain, more blood flow to your brain, all this kind of stuff um, is going to happen neurophysiologically when you work systematically through the five steps. Um, and so basically you gather awareness and gathering is that you stand back. Gather means I'm standing back and I'm looking at what I'm about to gather. So imagine it's a big apple tree. So imagine that the toxic issue that you are gathering awareness of is this huge apple tree with poisonous, big, gross apples pouring, oozing out gross stuff or something, whatever. Get any analogy in your mind. And you actually looking at that, at, at, at that apple, recognizing that that was created through the messy mind, through an experiment that, that is okay to have. It's okay to have that. But it's not okay to keep it. Can you hear the difference? It's okay that you've gone through that because that's a normal human mm -hmm. reaction. But now we've got to manage it. We've got to use our, connect our messy mind to our wise mind. Our wisdom is that inner knowing in our knower that, okay, there's a better way. I don't, I don't have to live like this. I, I want a better way. I want my identity back. I want to have some peace. I don't want to have to fall apart every five minutes. I want to get in a relationship and keep it and deal with the issues, et cetera, et cetera. It's not like seeking after this perfect happiness. Happiness is, is also accepting the depression and all the anxiety that it's going to be with you the rest of your life, but it's managing it. So the first step is to gather awareness. And it's, this is more than meditation. Meditation is brilliant. Um, breathing techniques, all of those are done prior to starting the five steps. And you'll see that in the NeuroCycle app. I take you through a three to four minute, sometimes five minute preparation. And it could be tapping. It could be breathing. It could be meditation. So all of those things you can still do. They brain preparation. They're not the technique. They, they don't, they're not going to fix anything. They just basically calm down your neurophysiology so that you can do work. The five steps are then how you do the work. They go beyond the mindfulness, the meditation, etc. So your brain is prepared and then you gather awareness. So meditation, blah, 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 the preparation. And then you gather awareness. You gather awareness of what? If you imagine picking an apple, the first apple you pick would be, let's say, your emotional warning signals. The second apple you pick would be your physical warning signals. So it's the depression, anxiety, panic, or the gut ache, or the um, adrenaline symptom. Or And then the behavioral, what are you doing? You're just withdrawing maybe from friends. What is your perspective? Life sucks, or whatever. So you gather awareness of those. Then once you've gathered, once you've stood back and you've looked, what am I doing? How am I functioning? That's what gather awareness is. Then you reflect. Reflect is a very deep word. If you shine a white light through a prism, it comes out in a full, the full rainbow colors on the other side. That's what reflect does. It reflects the depth. So you want to start asking, answering, and discussing. Asking, answering, discussing. Because you're getting the wisdom and that forces the two sides to work together. It forces you to get the conscious mind working with the non-conscious mind. When that happens, we see a a huge rise of theta and delta and gamma in the brain, which is what you want. Those are frequencies or brain waves in the brain that show us that there's deep, introspective, wise, intelligent, brilliant stuff that's going to happen. It's going to produce those creative moments, those deep insights. So this, that's what the neurocycle is taking you into these tremendous depths of thought. Then the third step and the fourth step are writing steps. And I, they're very specific. It's very clearly laid out in the book and tables and charts and examples and everything. The third step is kind of messy writing where you just write all over the page in the form of a metacog, which is a way of just organizing information, which is very in alignment with what a tree looks like, just big messy branches all over the place. And that's to just 
get out everything out of your unconscious mind. And then the fourth step is to sort that out, looking for patterns, for triggers, for how can I see this differently? The fifth step is an action of what did I learn today? And you do this, these five steps for around 15 to 45 minutes to detox the trauma. To find, to, in other words, to find the roots. So you're not going to find it all in day one. Day one, you may just gather one apple and start seeing, okay, well, there's definitely something going on. I don't know what's in the root. It may take you up to day 14 or seven or 12 or whatever before the root starts being revealed. Oh, I'm doing this because this is what's going on. I can't handle this or that's the source. So you've got the neurocycle takes you from the symptom to the source. So it's taking you from the warning signal and that's deconstructing. And then as you find the source and it's revealed, all these branches are weakening. So this thing loses energy and it starts disappearing and you, it starts, energy is transferred, never lost. And you start creating a healthy version. So there's, I'm holding up a green tree and the healthy version is the reconceptualize, seeing it differently. So yes, that did happen. That is the reason why. And so my subjects went from saying I am depressed to I am depressed because of. That's what my patients mm-hmm. would say. I'm panicky. I'm, I am panic. Well, panic disorder is what I have to, I have a panic. I, pa- I have issue. Um, I have moments of panic because of. So you don't get rid of your story. You just see it differently and you still may panic, but you'll know how to manage mm. it quicker. So your efficiency in management is quicker. So we also give ourselves the grace that, oh, you can still have depression because people think, oh, no, I've done the work now. Why am I still depressed? That's oh, okay. You're going to feel depressed on and off for the rest of your mm-hmm. life because life is filled with adverse circumstances. You don't know what's coming up around the corner. But what you're doing yeah. here is you're training yourself. The minute something happens, the neurocycle is training a way of thinking, by, by a, a way of driving your mind. So very quickly, once you hit the 21st day, it takes around 21 days to five steps daily, 15 to 45 minutes to deconstruct and reconstruct. Then this is very weak. Mm-hmm. It's not strong enough. It's not a habit yet. Habit takes a lot more work. You have to have each of these days, each of the steps, each of the days is releasing little dopamine rushes, which is increasing BDNF, which means I'm growing stuff. I'm getting more neuroplastic. By 21 days, more or less, You've got the new little reconceptualized thought, but it's not a habit yet. It still needs another 42 days of these little mini adrenaline um, dopamine rushes and BDNF and neuroplasty. You need stuff to grow. This thing needs energy. So you practice this fifth step for about a minute to seven minutes a day for 42 days. Now in the app, I walk you through all of that. So you've got your, you've got your, um, you can set your little step five, which is called the active reach. And you, you have to practice it during the day. You can set that. So it pops up and reminds you on the screen and I'm walking you through it each step. I'm telling you what to do. And then you can pause and you do the stuff. And, and from day 21 to 42, you, you know exactly what to do. And now if you've had a major trauma, like you were traumatized as a child or something and you, have suppressed it for years, which happens very, it's very common that that trauma is suppressed because if you're a child, you don't know how to deal with the trauma. So very often childhood trauma is suppressed Mm -hmm. and triggers is triggered when you're a young adult or teenager, things trigger it as you become more introspective and metacognitive, things start happening and so on. So you may not fix that all in 63 days. It may be that you need multiple cycles of 63 days. Some of my patients who with severe um, traumas would work for, have that 17 or 18 cycles before they had dealt with that. And then that doesn't mean it's over. It means that that is sort of under control, but then that releases a whole lot of other stuff or these new traumas. So in other words, it's a life cycle. And then last thing about wow. this is that when you're doing that's for detoxing traumas, you know, the long things, the 63 days, 15, seven, um, to, um, seven to 45 minutes a day, but that carries over into your day as well. So once you are practicing it on that level, you can then also it's automatically those five steps can be used in five seconds. So just before maybe you go into a meeting, someone you scroll through Instagram by mistake, you see someone makes a comment that throws you completely, you're totally thrown, but you've got to now go into a business meeting and do a presentation. You can do a neurocycle to quickly get yourself under control. So it becomes a way of managing your mind. So it is like Amazon. Amazon is a phenomenally effective delivery system, but it delivers everything. <laughs> see, so it delivers, it can yeah. deliver anything. So what I'm providing you is the Amazon of the mind. It is the delivery system. And into that, you put whatever you need for your life. And the more you use it, the more efficient you become. And eventually, you're self-regulating all the time. I love that so much. And speaking of Amazon, you can go to Amazon now and get her <laughs> latest book, Cleaning Absolutely. Up Your Mental Mess. And you have several other books that you've authored. And I'm like, this is one of those episodes which I've had only a few times, but at this capacity. Um, 
just walking away feeling refreshed, like taking my own mental notes, I had a little bit of a um, a neurocycle. Like um, earlier, I went, whoa, like the uh, microphone arm that my microphone sits on completely came off of the desk. So I'm like sitting here holding it and I'm like, okay, I could choose to focus on that negative piece of this. And then like the headphones and everything, like we, yeah, we have neurocycles here. We have. We've had, we've had to both yeah. do neurocycles. My earphones got yes. stuck and my throat. And got, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's like the humanity in us. And exactly. it's, it's great that we can share a laugh and like people assume like, Oh, Dr. Caroline Leaf, like she has it all together every all the time and it's like we're humans exactly we have no, things that happen exactly we do i mean i'm, I'm very if you don't listen to my podcast you'll see i'm very open about the messes that i'm making yeah to try and help people because the difference though is trevor's what happened now is what 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 you've just described is that i still make the messes but i know what to do mm-hmm. so i'm 81 yeah. percent more efficient in managing my messes by using the neurocycle so i'm not stuck in 100 percent mess mm. I'm only stuck maybe in a 20% mess some of the yeah. time. And that's, a, that's growth, you know, and that's a growth sort of mindset. So it is. And I just want to honor your time and just say thank you for joining us. I feel like there's going to be a part two when your next book comes out. So we need to get Baker books on it to make this happen. Like, I feel like I could sit here and talk to you all day. And I know that our listeners are just going to be impacted from the words that you shared. And I'm going to link all of your books and social media and even your podcasts and everything in the show notes on YouTube and podcasts and everywhere. Um, just to where people know that we're endorsing Dr. Caroline leaf not that it's like the biggest endorsement of the world but like you've gained my trust so like i could tell that you're a genuine person (laughs) that you love what you're doing and i'm just there's so much that i'm gonna have to go back and re-listen to i feel like we gave everyone a crash course on how to declutter their mind and giving them access to resources that may not they may have not been able to find beforehand so again just thank you so much for taking time with me today i know that you have such a jam-packed schedule and it means the world that you'd sit here and talk thank you so much i really appreciate that and i just wanted to share another little thing that can help people as well is that on the app i have little um and by the way apps you can download from google google play and itunes obviously um but these little mini neurocycles so like if you have a panic attack there's a neuro you can just press play and it can walk you through what to do with a panic attack or if you have a sudden imposter syndrome you can press play and it walks you through that and issues with kids and so there's 36 of those on at the moment mini neurocycles and you're adding more and more and more all the time and it's got a very organic it's going to become a whole organic feature with web um, access and all kinds of stuff so if people get in the community we're creating a whole support structure as well so at the moment it's super easy to access it and just download it it's not expensive and honestly it's a radical way it works really well with the book to be able to help free you in your mind get the amazon going in your mind (laughs) the right right version (laughs) Everyone has a little bit of Jeff Bezos in there somewhere. We just have to channel it, the good pieces. Exactly. We've got to find our our version. (laughs) Yes. I love it so much. Dr. Leaf, thank you again. And everyone, go check her out on social media. Go download her podcast. Go check out the book if you feel led. And um, we will talk to you guys next week. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com 